Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Miriam Ahmed, who has actually been working with us on a variety of initiatives with Wine Country Women. Miriam is someone who holds a leadership position with the Culinary Institute of America, and I am delighted to have Miriam with us today. So Miriam, welcome. Thank you for having me. So Miriam, before we talk about your career, let's talk about you as a person. You are a New Yorker. Born and raised upstate New York. How (laughs) is it for a New Yorker living in California? It is a a dream come true (laughs) because too many winters in New York will really make you crave California sunshine year-round. So I'm very lucky and happy to be in Napa now. So you've adjusted quite well. I would say so. So what is the, what's the best part of living here? Or what have you found to be the best part, other than the weather, that is? You know, anytime I get a bout of homesickness, I'm always really fortunate because I can make it to the farmer's market that week. And getting to experience the access to agriculture that we have here in Northern California, amazing produce, amazing wine, and that creates community. So all of those things are just at my core really important to me. And I love that about living in Napa. And you do live in the city of Napa and you moved here when? I moved here in December of 2015. So I've been here almost three years now. Okay. Have you seen much change over those three years? I would say that activity in downtown Napa has definitely picked up. Um, And you see a lot of, I feel as though I'm seeing a lot more young people coming in to Napa now than I did prior uh, when I first moved here. But that was also because I didn't know anybody. Let's talk about where you live. Do you live in a house? I actually live in an apartment. Um, apartment building? In an apartment building, yes. Okay. Um, near downtown Napa, I can bike over to work if I'd like to. Oh, wow. But the apartment is nice because, you know, uh, it's not as much to tend to. And I have plenty of friends with houses I can go and hang out at. So how did you choose to live in Napa? Uh, Napa Valley has so many cute little towns. Um, why Napa? Well, even though I was born and raised in upstate New York, um, in a more rural area, I lived in New York City for a time, and I really loved the activity. And so when I looked at those smaller towns, I enjoyed them, and they're beautiful, but I wanted a little bit more as far as things to do and later in the evening, and then the proximity to San Francisco is really nice. It is nice. I mean, Napa has really come into its own and being able to um, scoot to San Francisco quickly Mm -hmm. is is a nice um, option to have. How would you describe your decor in your home? What's your personal style? I love color. So I I mean, no one can see me, but I'm wearing a bright yellow blazer (laughs) today. This is very indicative of my style. So my home, it's filled with unique things. I really enjoy celebrating people's artisanal skill. And a lot of the things on the walls are actually things that I made or photographed myself. Uh, So I style based on color and and aesthetic. And I go for cozy. I love a really nicely set table, a really warm setting. So that's how my apartment feels when you walk in. 
And there are a lot of cookbooks. Well, you actually touched on the next question I wanted to ask, and that is, do you have a hobby? It sounds Just like one. you might. Well, you might have several, it sounds like. I have a hard time sitting still. So, I mean, I, I love... Um, photography. I'm definitely an amateur, but I love to write. I also am a fairly active person, so I rock climb. I just started uh, about a month ago, and I play tennis a lot um, on the weekends. So between art and sports, my apartment is full. So where where do you rock climb around here? There's actually a gym in downtown Napa. It's called Rockzilla. It's one of the best kept secrets, I think. And it's great. It's nothing. It's not a high-end health spa experience, but it's a really awesome challenge if you're up for it. Once you've conquered that, are the, <laughs> is, is the real rock climbing in your future? I don't know. I hope so. But I, I hope that my like fear of heights withers at some point and I can actually get up and, and climb on a rock. Definitely. Okay. So we're in Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to ask, when you're at home, what do you like to drink? Oh, well, I went to winemaking school, as you know, um, and I really was fascinated by bubbles and, and aromatic white wines. And so I found a few favorites for sure here in the Napa Valley. But if I have my pick any day of the week, I open bubbles. Uh, a big fan of uh, Schramsberg. If you're looking for <laughs> a recommendation, a producer, yes. <laughs> and um, I really, I really love um, Frog's Leap, but I'm a big fan of Cliff Family as well. I think Laura's doing an amazing job with their winemaking there. Good to know. <laughs> Is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you that you can tell us about? I think people here in California would be surprised to know that I have three sisters in in upstate New York still and all of them are adopted so I have a really unique family dynamic Um, that's been an amazing addition to my understanding of people um, and my relationship building with people but they're amazing we all actually look really similar that's (laughs) three adopted sisters yeah most people do not know that are you adopted I am not you're not no but your parents adopted three other girls yeah wow how Mm -hmm. lucky they are to oh, have yeah. you as a sister. <laughs> Just tell them that. <laughs> are they older or younger than you? I'm the oldest. Oh, yeah. well, Well, lucky. They are lucky because <laughs> you paved the way for them, right? And you're a great role model. What would you tell someone who wants to move to the Napa Valley? What advice would you give them? I think that moving to the Napa Valley is an amazing life achievement and something that if you have the capability and the resources to do so, you could and should. I think coming with an open mind and an eagerness to meet new people and you know really share your story with the community is a really great way to become immersed faster. I think we're lucky to have generational knowledge here in the Valley that is obviously unique to a lot of wine regions and um, you meet so many amazing people and so many people who are on a path similar to yours or on a really strong path of their own that you know they lift you up it's it's a great place to live are there particular activities in the valley or an experience that you can reflect upon that you think is that that's memorable for you or that you think is a can't miss like tradition in the valley Oh, you've asked a hard one. I mean, clearly there are there are so many different kinds of experiences that people can have here. I think one of the fun, fun what are your things, favorites? my favorite, well, I work obviously 
a lot. So right. I'm surrounded by food all of the time. So I really like to be able to go to a place and um, not have to do <laughs> the cooking myself. Right. Um, so going out to eat with friends. I mean, we do really a lot of group activities with our friends in homes. Um, Friendsgiving is my favorite tradition, but that's not a Napa Valley <laughs> tradition. Right. Okay. Um, but I think being able to go out and do some hikes here in the valley. Um, I just, when we have people that come and visit, we, of course, take them wine tasting. And of course, we dine them at the best restaurants available. But we also try to diversify their experience here and show them the amazing agriculture, what they've done with the ag preserve in order to maintain a valley that's so beautiful. And we try to share that as well with people. I'm thinking also like events like, for example, um, the Barrel Auction or Auction Napa Valley or Porch Fest or the V Foundation or Winapalooza or, you know, we have so many events that take place in this valley. Is there one that, that, that you especially like that's not work related? Yes. On Wednesdays, typically Long Meadow Ranch does um, champagne and caviar. Oh, of course. <laughs> and that's a good one. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of Locals Night at St. Clair Brown Winery. That's just right here in downtown Napa. Oh. Um, that's a consistent activity. They right. also do a speakeasy series in where, late spring. Where are they? They're right downtown um, off of Yahome Street. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. Well, you should go. It's uh, like tasting wine inside of a greenhouse. Oh, very And fun. everything that they offer is typically grown right out of their garden there. Very Napa in yes. style. Um, but great wines, and they also make beer. Oh, very fun. Okay, there's a tip for everyone. And a good tasting tip, too. Want more on today's interview? Purchase Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. It's available on our website at winecountrywomen.com. Let's talk about your career. Do you remember, before we talk about what you do now, do you remember what your first paying job was ever? Yeah, ever. I used to give manicures to the ladies from my church when I was such a, I was a young kid, but I loved going to the candy store that I could walk to a few blocks away and I needed capital in order to do invest in bubble gum. So So I did a lot of hands and toes. So you're an expert manicurist and I never knew it. (laughs) A hidden talent. I've retired. I've retired. Okay. Today you are the director of programs for the Culinary Institute of Mm -hmm. America. Mm-hmm. A dream job. I mean, the Culinary Institute of America, this magical place. Tell us about your job. Absolutely. I'm definitely lucky to have the job that I have. Uh, my role entails overseeing every public program that we offer the consumer out here on the West Coast. So we have two locations here uh, where we're enjoying our chat in downtown Napa at the CIA at Copia. And then are building up valley called the CIA at Greystone and that's where the primary academic um, activities happen and Copia is really blossomed into a consumer experience in and of itself. It's a 90,000 square foot consumer experience aka a foodie wonderland. Right. I like that. Yeah, it's a very, it's a fun place. So my job, you know, um, varies day to day. I oversee the classes that we offer, so that could be anything from learning how to make fresh cheese at home in a 60-minute demonstration to spending 5 days immersed in a culinary boot camp 
for hands-on programs, um, six hours a day with our chefs. So the real committed people <laughs> come for those. And there's a lot in between. And then I have the great pleasure of working on initiatives that are really important conversations, like our conversations at Copia, that bring to the forefront you know, changes and trends in our industry, whether it be food, beverage, or innovation, and how that impacts us as the consumer. And then we also have plenty of strategic partnerships that I manage, you know, depending on what the program might be. But sometimes we even offer concerts or or any kind of tasting in our atrium for people to come and be able to just be exposed to a different style of education, something for everyone, basically. Definitely Copia um, opens the doors to a a lot of different experiences. Mm -hmm. The addition of Copia. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Whereas Greystone, like you said, is primarily focused on the um, the education component. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. You know, we still have public outlets up at Greystone. We run our restaurant, the Gatehouse. It's actually Mm -hmm. a student run restaurant up there. Uh, And then we also have our retail operation, the Spice Islands Marketplace. It functions as a bookstore for the students, but we offer everything that we have there to the public as well. And we have a cafe. So there's plenty of public outlets, including some classes that we offer from from our team. But the CIA at Copia has allowed us to expand our public offerings, our industry offerings, our consulting options, as well as the CIA, so that we can give back to the school. Because at the end of the day, the Culinary Institute is a not-for-profit college. And so every endeavor that you know we strive to make happen is really just to make the school more successful. So let's talk about some of the new exhibits that you have here at Copia. There are a lot of (laughs) exhibits at Copia. So uh, Copia is open seven days a week to the public. I hesitate to give open and close hours because our restaurant is open um, quite late. We do our last seating at about 9.30, but we have a store that opens at 10 a.m. So there's really something for the morning people and the evening people to do consistently. And then our classes happen between you know Wednesday and Sunday and then the exhibits that people can experience are open during all of those times so we have our wine hall of fame downstairs in the atrium featuring pioneers of our industry whether they be vintners or sommeliers etc and then we have a really great new exhibit opening up on the second floor called the Chuck Williams Culinary Arts Museum and that is a collection of between 3,000 and 4,000 pieces and for people who don't know who Chuck Williams is why don't you tell So Chuck Williams was the founder of Williams Sonoma, and just before he passed away, he bequeathed his entire culinary collection to us. And so we have, um, you know, about 100 years worth of culinary collections. He was, I believe, 99 when he passed away, and we're we're just very fortunate to have received it. And that will be a static exhibition here, you know, a permanent installation um, at Copia. And we feature monthly, you know, we change monthly what we do for the art exhibits we have on the first floor that feature local artists based on programming that we have coming up, actually. What's one of the most fun parts of your job? What's the most fun? I'm sure you have a lot of fun all the time, but is there one component that you enjoy the most? I think the most rewarding thing about my job is getting to help people who wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to what we can offer um, experience that we just worked with a young gal who got out of the hospital very recently. She recovered from brain cancer. And I mean, it's an amazing story. Her and her sister were here for two days taking cooking classes together. And their last class was today. But it just is very special to be able to to offer, you know, a culinary institute 
knowledge to people um, on a smaller scale. And then I would say everything we get to illuminate for people through our conversations and through, you know, we have a sommelier summit every year, just getting to work with the movers and shakers of the industry to make sure that we're educating people as quickly as possible on things that impact us. What do you hope to bring in the future? What's on your wish list from a uh, career standpoint in, in the Culinary Institute of America? I think that, you know, one of the things that's very important to us now and I think is becoming more and more important to those that frequent our businesses is having a focus on plants being at the center of the plate. You know, we're doing a lot of plant forward education, people with a lot of dietary restriction or um, the need to change the way that they consume even protein, um, it's important for us to educate them on local agriculture, on how to eat seasonally and get the most out of what you're putting into your body. So I, I love that. I also am a huge fan of vegetables. Salad is my favorite food. So, (laughs) (laughs) but the other thing that I look forward to bringing to Copia is to continue our expansion of these higher level education programs for consumers and to really be considered an industry thought leader and, and a venue for thought leadership here for an industry that really needs it the conversation has to keep going on some of these changes within the wine world within the culinary world hospitality you know that's what this building is really for you know it should be the epicenter so. I agree I agree but do you have a a dream wish list of something that you personally would like to bring an ice skating rink Seriously? (laughs) Well, maybe right there on the Napa River, right? (laughs) I would like to see six of the most famous chefs that we all know having a cooking competition in our Heston kitchen. Okay, I think that's cool. I think that would be a dream. You know, we could set up stadium seating and have them have a live throwdown for people and I don't think it's that far off. I think it could happen. Okay. Uh, you got to have a wish. There yeah. has to be a wish list, right? So I'm glad at least you, you shared one. Mm-hmm. One wish. Sorry, I keep them close to the chest. Sorry. <laughs> no. There's so no. many. <laughs> um, so I know, because I know you, mm-hmm. I know that you are also involved in uh, some other organizations. You serve on a board. I do. Women for Wine Sense. Yes. Why don't you tell people about uh, why that's such an important organization for you and what that organization's all about? So I serve as the president of the Napa Sonoma chapter of Women for Wine Sense. And this chapter is actually the founding chapter. It's become a national organization. We have 13 chapters, uh, but Napa Sonoma has the largest amount of members. And the organization is and, and was important to me at the time that I joined because it was the first entry into community here in Napa. Um, it was about a month after I moved here. I found, you know, a few options for women in leadership opportunities and Women for Wine Sense was one of them. And I I got to meet the president then and we maintained a relationship throughout and she ended up calling me and asking me to take over the presidency. And I've met so many amazing people along the way. We've got a great base of vintners and general managers and human resources professionals. I mean, you name it. Um, We are a really 
tightly knit community within our organization and nationally you know we're represented all over we have about like I said 13 chapters and, and what's the purpose of the organization so women for wine sense is a premier networking and educational um, organization the origination of the organization actually came out of a lot of concern for alcohol consumption. Um, so it was founded by Michaela Rodeno and Julie Johnson, who mm -hmm. are prominent females here in the Napa Valley. And, you know, their purpose was we've got to stop referring essentially to alcohol as something that is bad because when consumed in moderation, it's, it's okay. You know, um, at the time they were fighting the mothers against drunk driving and just a lot of essentially teetotaler movements. Right. So uh, a lot of reward came out of that and the organization is doing great and I'm proud. I'm very proud to be a part of it. Do you have certain objectives that you hope to achieve while you're president? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think with any organization nowadays, your your main focus is how can we continue to grow membership and keep people engaged and excited. We have such a breadth of members. You know, we have people who are just coming into the wine industry as aficionados. Maybe they're not even in the industry, but they love wine and they want to learn. And then we have winemakers and vintners as members as well. And so my constant choice is fun and education and keeping these people who are really tied to the industry engaged as well. So, you know, growing membership and offering really great programs for them. Um, Women for Wine Sense was heavily involved in a really big program we just did at Copia last week. We had about 200 people and uh, they were able to bring in a lot of uh, vintners as well for that. And then I also sit on the board of the Wine Writers Symposium. Oh, great. So I'm on the board of directors for that. That takes place in February each year. It's a partnership between uh, Napa Valley Vintners, Meadowood Resort, and the Culinary Institute of America. And it is a wonderful program that essentially supports and brings in wine writers that are really up and coming. And we talk about the importance of wine writing and how to be better at it <laughs> um, and all the things that go along with being a professional writer. Has there been someone throughout your career that has influenced you or been a mentor along the way? Definitely. I am lucky. I went to the hotel school of management um, at Cornell University and I have had a really wonderful professor that I've just stayed in touch with for a really long time and his name is Rupert Spees. Um, he's retired now, but he is always the one, if I call, he's like, so you're going to go for your PhD, <laughs> you know, always kind of pushing me to go then. a little further. <laughs> I don't have time you for said, that. Yeah. You said, Not yet. <laughs> um, but you know, someone who has listened, but then turned around to challenge instead of, you know, um, giving you a pat on the head and telling you it's okay. You can, you, you can be happy here. He sort of allows my spirit, which is to constantly be thinking about the next thing he allows room for that and then encourages it and it's been someone who's been very important for me and then of course you know there are so there are so many others honestly that are really important for different things I think that people who have influenced me from a professional standpoint I am surrounded by you know in this building at the Culinary Institute I work with a fantastic chef Sandy Sauter who I couldn't do what I do without her so you know mentor but also really important peer and colleague that's great mm -hmm. it's nice it's nice to work with a great team of people definitely that support each other and you're both working you're mm -hmm. all working together for a, a common goal and mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's super and have a mutual respect and, and that's, that's nice. What advice would you give a young woman who wants to come work at the CIA? I would tell her that it's possible, first of all. Um, it can be a big leap in general, just pursuing what you want professionally mm -hmm. and what you love. There's so much room for growth here. Um, the CIA Copia is the first of its kind, and that's always really exciting when you walk through the door. And we need fresh eyes. You know, we need fresh energy. We need people who are just excited about what we do. There are a lot of skills that can be taught, but coming in with a really strong, open mind and ideas are, it's the best way to get what you want, you know, in any career, not just with the Culinary Institute, but, you know, using your passion <laughs> to get you where you want to go is my best advice. I don't think everyone is so fortunate. You know, I didn't ask, and I should have, um, how how did you land the job at the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I actually, I have always been interested in higher education. Mm -hmm. So I always kept an eye on the jobs board at the Culinary Institute. And it was, it really came down to timing. I finished my winemaking degree in Washington and I realized, I mean, really the purpose of that was to be able to help wineries create a brand story that was saleable and to continue to teach consumers about the changing wine industry. You know, I love making wine, but that was the purpose of my obtaining that degree was always teaching was in the back of my mind. Right. Um, and so I graduated and I was on my way across the country back to see my family and this job came up. Um, and it at the time was actually just a small job. It was called food enthusiast manager. So just the, Aww. just the <laughs> little <Yeah>. food <laughs> realm. It was myself, um, and two chefs, one of which I I've already named, but I just, you know, I leapt, I saw the job and I applied. And when I came and I met with our managing director, Tom, I, I knew kind of right away I could work with this person. And he let me know right away that the job would change pretty much the day I started. Oh, and it did. <laughs> and it did. And it has ever since. You know, I started as that manager and then I took on the wine programs, which really made the most sense of anything. Right. And, and then I've grown into this position now that's just, you know, spans the valley and often involves a lot of national initiatives. And it's really been a great, great timing, but a great um, journey for someone who was really, really hungry for a challenge, you know. But I think you wouldn't have been given that, um, you wouldn't have gotten where you are now had you not proven yourself. And I, so yes, I think, I think that's true. And I think I, I don't, I don't speak in broad brush strokes. I'm a pretty strategic person. I say one thing and back it up with a few bullet points, you know, right. um, very solution oriented. And I think that that was appreciated from the beginning. And that really did help me get where, where I am now. Well, I think the CIA is lucky to have <laughs> you. And I think there's um, continued success in your future here. Thank you. And I am excited to see and watch where you, where you flourish onto. Thank you. Know, where your career flourishes onto. Um, but on that note, I'm going to kind of wrap things up mm -hmm. with what I like to call our five quick questions. The intent here is not to think about things. 
It's asking a lot. A lot of people have difficulty with that. (laughs) (laughs) But I have faith in you, Miriam. (laughs) So let's see. Okay, here we go. What designer brand do you wear the most? Um, Gosh, I'm a thrifter. I... I come, I'm going to let you down on the but first you question. A, you have a designer <laughs> brand. You have a brand you might like. I'm a Levi, I love Levi's. Okay. That's there not a designer, go. but there you go. Okay. I, it is a designer technically, yeah, right? Levi's. Sorry. Come on, it's San Francisco <laughs> too. Come on. Okay, what's the weirdest thing in your purse right now? A pineapple-shaped thumb drive. Okay. What's the last piece of candy you ate? A blue raspberry Jolly Rancher from the dry cleaners. Okay. Uh, what's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Something to Talk About by Bonnie Raitt. Okay. <laughs> and your last question. And there are a lot of answers to this. Um, name one, again, I know there's many, but name one favorite restaurant in the Napa Valley. I'll go with Frequency, and I, I love La Taberna. I love oh, the on Main Street. Yep, yep. I love right that little downtown. place too. That's okay. my style. You did it. I Five. did it. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.